You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. Well, good morning, Christ Walk Church. Unfortunately, I am not able to be there with you in person today. Some of you may have already heard the news, but for those that haven't, uh, my grandmother, my mom's mom, passed away earlier this week, and so my family and I are in Tennessee right now uh, for the service and to spend time with my extended family, but a number of you have already reached out to me and expressed your care and concern, and I'm so thankful for the support that you've shown me and my family and for all of your prayers, and I am very much looking forward to being back in person with you next Sunday. So uh, if you've got your Bible or a smart device, I want to encourage you to turn with me or swipe with me to the New Testament. We're going to land in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, The Gospel uh, simply means good news, and those first four books of the New Testament we call the Gospels. They are good news because they teach us the story of the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to land there in the second gospel, Mark chapter 14, in just a moment. You know, one of my very favorite movies to watch during the holiday season is Home Alone. And for those of you that have seen it, maybe you remember the scene shortly after the McAllister family scrambles through the airport trying to make it to their flight on time. The adults uh, are in first class on the airplane, and the kids are back in coach. And there's a scene where Kate McAllister, the matriarch of the family, is talking to her husband, Peter, about some feelings of uneasiness that she's having, thinking that they have forgotten about something very important. And during this scene, Peter tries to reassure her that she's only having these emotions because they had to leave in such a hurry since they were late waking up. Did they turn off the coffee maker, he speculates? Yes, so that's not it. Did they lock the house? Yeah, they locked up the house, so that couldn't be it either. Did they close the garage doors? Nope, he forgot to close the garage door, so surely... That's it. And as the scene continues, Kate then, unconvinced that it's the garage doors giving her this terrible feeling, she kind of sinks back into her plane chair only to finally realize what it is they forgot. And she yells out for all on the plane to hear, Kevin! You know, at the top of her lungs, she realizes that they'd left their son home alone. Today, we're in part five of a series called Baggage Claim, where we've been taking a look at some of the things that you and I tend to carry that weigh us down, that distort our true identity in Christ and hold us back from the life that he's called us to live and from becoming the person that he's called us to be. And it's all based on a verse out of the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, which reads this way. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, 
especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with the endurance, the race God has set before us. You know, maybe you can identify with the person who described their vacation packing habits this way. In my bag is 75% of the things that I packed but didn't use. Then there's 2% of the things I packed that I actually used, and then the rest is 23% of what I really needed to bring with me, but I forgot at home, so I had to go to Walmart and purchase on my trip. You know, the idea behind this series is simply this. We pack for the destination to which we are headed. And in order for us to arrive at that destination in the most efficient and effective way possible, simply put, there, there's some things that you and I are going to have to lay down. There, there's some stuff that we're holding on to now that doesn't need to make the trip with us. In fact, if we continue to hold on to that stuff, not only is it going to delay our arrival to our destination, but it could get us off course entirely. And so far in this series, we've talked about the baggage of regret, the baggage of shame, the baggage of hurt, and the baggage of bitterness. And if you missed any of those messages, you can check them out on our podcast or on our YouTube channel. But for today, I want to spend the next few minutes talking about the baggage of anxiety and worry. The baggage of anxiety and worry. I recently came across a statistic that showed in July of 2019, around uh, 8%, a little more than 8% of adults showed signs of an anxiety disorder. Fast forward one year from that point, July 2020, and we all know what happened at the beginning of 2020. In July of 2020, that number rose from 8% all the way to 36% of adults that showed signs of an anxiety disorder. And anxiety simply means distress or uneasiness of mind caused by fear of danger or misfortune. And so before we get too far into today's message, you need to understand up front that it's not a sin to feel anxious about different situations or to feel worry about certain circumstances in your life. With that said, if, if we don't handle that anxiety and that worry in an appropriate way, it can lead to sin. So anxiety or worry itself is, is not sinful. In fact, those are very natural human emotions. But if we dwell on them, if we allow them to stick around, if we continue to, to hang on to them, they can turn into a slippery slope that will eventually cause us to fall into sin and create separation between us and God. And this may come as a surprise to many of you. Hopefully it serves as a comfort, but it may be a surprise nonetheless. Jesus dealt directly with this idea, this, this feeling, this emotion of anxiety. I know that might be hard to believe, but he really did. And, and in our passage for today, we're going to see not only how anxiety played a part in the life of Christ, but we'll also learn how we can deal with our anxiety when it creeps into our lives by looking at how Jesus handled anxiety when it reared its ugly head in his life. And so you've turned to Mark chapter 14. Hopefully you're there with me. We're going to start 
in verse 32 and read all the way to verse 36. I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning, which says, They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, Sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. See, right before this moment in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus had just shared in the Last Supper with his disciples. And one of the twelve during that supper, Judas, he had left the party to go and betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And meanwhile, Jesus has now taken three of his disciples, the ones that were in his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. He's taken them with him to go and pray in the Garden of Gethsemane as he awaits his arrest. And so for the remainder of today's message, I want to talk to you uh, as we break down this passage about three keys to overcoming anxiety. Three keys to overcoming anxiety. Anxiety. So if you're taking notes, maybe you want to write this down. The first key to overcoming anxiety is you've got to surround yourself with friends. Surround yourself with friends. Verse 32 and 33 of our passage, they went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. See, in this moment, Jesus knew what he was about to face. He knew that he was getting ready to be arrested. He knew that he was going to be tortured. And he knew that at the end of this arduous journey, he would be crucified, which was an incredibly painful and humiliating way of dying. And though he had never sinned himself, he felt the weight of becoming sin for you and for me that would be nailed to that cross. He, he felt the weight, the burden, the heaviness of that beginning to creep in on him at this moment. And as a result of his, his choice to become sin, he knew that his father would have to turn away from him since the father cannot look upon sin. And in verse 34, he told the disciples, he said, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. You know, we often tend to hide our true feelings from others. Maybe it's gone this way in your life. Someone says, how are you? And you say something like, I'm good or I'm fine. Or maybe the most spiritual among us would say, I'm blessed and highly favored. But you know what? The truth is, sometimes life stinks. Sometimes we're straight up hurting. Sometimes things are just a struggle. But yet we tend to hide behind the mask that we've got it under control and that everything is fine when in reality it's not. And notice what Jesus does in this moment. He he goes to his friends and he opens up to them and basically says, Look guys, I'm overwhelmed by everything that's happening. My soul is being crushed by grief. All of this stuff, the thing that I'm about to face, what's getting ready to happen to me, it is literally killing me. And then he asks them, he says, will you stay with me and will you pray with me? 
He asked them to stay, and he asked them to pray. You know, you and I, we were created to be in community. All the way back in Genesis, we've talked about this a number of different times. When God created man, he looked at man and said, it is not good for man to be alone. So he created Eve to be with Adam. We were created to be in relationship, in community with other people. Yet, in our times of deepest grief and in times of trouble and crisis, I've found that our natural inclination, our tendency is to isolate ourselves from the world around us. This is the power, though, of community. It's, it's the power of what we call here at, at Christ Walk, we call them life groups. When, when I got the news that my grandmother had passed away, I, I spent the bulk of my day sending messages to uh, my pastoral brotherhood group that I'm a part of and, and to the people that are in the life group that I'm a part of and, and other friends that um, I'm, I'm in, a, in a group with to let them know what was going on so that they could hold me and my family up in prayer. I, I, t- I talked to our council and our elders. I, I talked to our staff. I had all of these groups surrounding me and lifting me up and providing care for me in the middle of this difficult time. And the truth is that if if you and I, if we want to find healing and freedom from our anxiety, we've got to be intentional about getting out of these rows that we're sitting in right now and instead getting into circles. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with these rows because this is important. It's important for us to come together in this capacity and engage in corporate worship, but equally important is what happens after this moment. During the, the, the week to week when, when we're not at church, when we're not worshiping corporately together, we need to come together in homes and around dinner tables and restaurant tables and in other places. And, and we need to turn these rows into circles and, and be intentional about doing life with other people through the week. We've got to link arms with these other people in those moments so that whenever we're facing a tough time in our lives, we have someone that we can reach out to that we can invite to just stay with us and pray with us. And so that in their moment of need, they can reach out to us and link arms with us and invite us to stay and pray with them as well. Because the truth is, as as we continue to reach more people for the kingdom, and as our church continues to grow, everybody may not be able to know everybody anymore. And honestly, like, I'm the pastor and I don't know everybody, but what can happen is that when we turn rows into circles, everybody may not be able to know everybody, but everybody can know and be known by somebody. That's why it's so important for you and I to be intentional about finding community. It's what Jesus did during his most difficult time, and so it's what we should do as well when anxiety and and, and worry and difficulty rear its head in our lives. We've got to surround ourselves with our friends. Number two, we need to seek our heavenly father. You need to seek your heavenly father. Verse 35 of our passage says, Jesus went on a little farther and fell to the ground and there he prayed. Have you ever had the check engine light come on in your car? had this happen several times and you know when that light comes on the the light itself is not the problem 
but rather it's a signal to you that there is a problem elsewhere that needs to be addressed. And the feeling of anxiety, the feeling of worry in our lives, it's, it's a lot like our check engine light. Whenever we feel anxious, whenever we get worried about something, it's a signal that there's an outlying issue causing us to feel that way. And anxiety and worry, those are, those are signals, those are triggers that it's time for us to pray. You know, Oswald Chambers, he says, we tend to use prayer as a last resort, but God wants it to be our first line of defense. Paul writes in the book of Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, he says, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank him for all he has done. I love what Pastor Rick Warren says about this topic. He says, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. So today, if you're worried about your marriage, pray for your spouse. If you're worried about your kids, lift them up in prayer. If you're worried about a big decision you have to make, pray about it and ask God for direction. If you're worried about your finances, Pray for provision. If you're worried about your health, pray for healing. Whatever it is you're worried about, pray about it. Here's what Pastor Craig Rochelle says about this. He says, if it's on your mind, then it's on God's heart. If it's on your mind, then it's on God's heart. So the things that are on your mind, he's concerned about as well. So whatever you're worried about, whatever is causing you anxiety, lift it up to the Father in prayer. Our passage continues and and says, Jesus went on a little farther and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. See, when Jesus prayed to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was, he was up front, he was open, he was honest about how he felt. He didn't play it safe in that moment. He didn't pray some ticky-tack recitation of a scripted prayer. You know, he wasn't like, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. He didn't go, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. No, none of that. He cried out from the depth of his pain and his agony for God to move in his situation. In 1 Peter 5, 7, Peter writes this. He says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. So when we're feeling anxious or when we're feeling worried about something, we don't continue to hold on to it ourselves. We give it over to God because his word tells us that he cares for us. That if it's on our mind, then it's on God's heart. So first off, we need to surround ourselves with our friends in times of anxiety and worry. Secondly, we need to seek our Father. And then thirdly, we need to speak to our feelings. You need to speak to your feelings. Here's what I've come to know about my feelings. They're fickle. See, often our feelings present a distorted view of what's actually taking place in the realm of reality. So when that happens, what do we do? When that happens, we need to speak faith into our feelings because it's what Jesus did. 
Verse 36, he says, it says, Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Did you catch that? He wanted God's will to be done, not his. You know, in that moment, you can feel pretty confident in saying that Jesus didn't feel like being arrested. Jesus didn't feel like enduring the torture that he was going to have to endure. Jesus didn't feel like being nailed to a cross and dying a criminal's death through crucifixion. But instead of aligning with his feelings, he aligned with his faith. He said, it's not what I want, but it's what you, my heavenly father, want for me instead. See, in times of anxiety, we have to speak the truth of God's word to our feelings. When those emotions rush in, it can be easy for us to to begin to feel that perhaps God doesn't love us. And in that moment, we need to remind ourselves of John 3, 16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. When feelings rush in that make us feel like maybe we're all alone in this world. We need to be reminded of Deuteronomy 31.6, which tells us that God will never leave us or forsake us. When we get worried about our finances, we need to be reminded of Philippians 4.19, which tells us that God will supply all of our needs from his glorious riches. In those moments when we feel like we've been defeated and and life is just throwing haymaker after haymaker and that there's no way possible that we can win and rise above the situation, we need to remind ourselves of Romans 8.37, which says that overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. Because the truth is our feelings will lie to us, but our faith in God's word never will. So you and I, we've got to choose ahead of time. We've we've got to choose right now what voice we're going to listen to in moments of difficulty that bring on stress and anxiety and worry into our life. Are we going to follow what our feelings say? Are we going to follow what our faith says? As I've been preparing for and even processing through this message for today. I've, I've had a, a particular song playing in the back of my mind of someone that can relate to today's topic of anxiety and worry. It's a song from 2004 by Ray LaMontagne. Maybe you've heard it. In the song, he sings, Trouble, 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 trouble. Trouble been dogging my soul since the day I was born. Worry, 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 worry. Worry just will not seem to leave my mind alone. Maybe some of you are feeling like that today. In fact, maybe you've felt that way for quite some time now. Ray continues singing in that song. He says, well, I've been saved, saved by a woman. She won't let me go. No, she won't let me go now. And I hate to break it to you, Ray, but you were this close to having it 100% right. You were almost all the way there because the truth is, you and I, we have been saved from trouble and worry and anxiety. But it isn't by just some old woman. We've been saved by Jesus. 
whose very name means salvation. And he will not let us go now. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of the words that Paul wrote out of Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. We already read 6 earlier that says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Verse 7 continues, it says, Then you will experience God's peace. What an incredible promise. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Today, you can exchange your anxiety and your worry for God's peace. And it's a peace that the world can't offer you. It only comes from God. And since the world can't give it, the good news for you and me today is that the world can't take it away either. And when we receive this peace, it'll guard our hearts and minds and it will keep them safe from the onslaught of worry and anxiety. And so if, if you're here this morning and you're in need of God's peace in your life today, as the band comes to lead us in worship to close out this message, I want to invite you to come forward and receive prayer. There's going to be someone from our leadership team, staff, elders, council, other prayer partners. They're going to, they're going to come forward and be there to come alongside you and to lay hands on you and pray and believe with you for God's peace to flow into your life today. You don't have to leave here this morning overwhelmed by anxiety. Instead, you can leave here free with your heart and your mind saturated by the peace of God. So all over this house, let's stand together. Let's prepare our hearts for worship. These altars are open. If you're in need of God's peace, come forward to receive prayer. Let's sing together. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.